Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Steel Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Pattison. Hey, it's Ron McLean, HockeyNet in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. We're back on for another archive episode. we got a great one cooked up for you today. But before we get there, let's get to today's episode sponsors. Jen Gilbert and team want, to, want you to know, for over 40 years, since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Coldwell Bankers Cityside Realty have served Lloydminster and the surrounding area. They're passionate about our community, and they pride themselves on giving back through volunteer opportunities and partnerships as often as they can. Side note uh, on that is I was thinking about this today. When Marty Britton, shout out to Marty Britton, was playing for the Hitman, he got Jen uh, Gilbert and team hooked up with the Hitman. And when Marty hung up the skates, I asked him, you know, who, who did you get from from uh, Coldwell? I'll go talk to him. And he's like, ah, it was Jen, but I don't think they'll sponsor. Well, <laughs> funny thing is, about seven years after Marty retired, Jen Gilbert was still sponsoring the Hillmont Hitman. And now she's followed the podcast, and I just appreciate everything that uh, Jen and her team have done for me and the community. And so they know, we know, that a home is truly where awesomeness happens. Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give them a call, 780-875-3343. I'm teaming up with the Lloydminster Regional Health Foundation for uh, Lloydminster's Gift to Health Radiothon, December 15th. Uh, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's going to be a Facebook live stream. You can get it on YouTube or hop onto my Facebook page or the Lloyd Regional Health Foundation's page, uh, and you can watch for 12 straight hours as I discuss uh, the hospital and why it's so vital to our community. We're raising a bunch of money. Last year we raised $54,000 roughly uh, when we did the same thing. Well, this year we get, it's a little bigger production. Yeah, and we just found out, you know, like th- this just broke last night, and I, I assume I'm okay to share, but Scott Moe is going to be joining us first thing um, Tuesday morning, Premier Scott Moe. Uh, we got Wade Redden, Corey Cross, Clark MacArthur, Scott Hartnell, um, Quick Dick McDick, Ron McLean, Rod Peterson. Like the list just goes on. And then from Lloyd, I mean, y- you got uh, a whole swath of uh of local people that are going to sit on and we're going to share some stories about Lloyd Minster in the hospital I got Shep joining me for coffee in the morning um Mervyn Morgan Mann I got Ken and Jen Rutherford coming in they just had their sixth while COVID's been going on at the local hospital here so I want to chit chat with them about you know having a baby in the middle of, of COVID and you know what what that was like this coming Tuesday so December 15th mark it on your calendar if you're sitting at work Make sure you have Facebook or YouTube open. Search Lloyd Minster uh, Region Health Foundation. Bring that live stream up. We're going to be going all day. You can donate at lrhf.ca forward slash radiothon. We got Mikey Dubs running 12 hours on a treadmill. You can donate per kilometer. It's going to be a ton of fun. We got a great list of characters coming in to sit down and, and share about why uh, the hospital and continuing care is so important. So I hope to see you all there. Uh, Clay Smiling, Profit River. Profit River is a retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States, 
hard-to-find calibers, rare firearms, special editions. Check them out. Everything's online at ProfitRiver.com. HSI Group. They're the local oil for burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliance system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Stop in today, 3902 52nd Street, or give Brody or Kim a call at 306-825-6310. I announced... On the last episode, that Carly Clausen and Windsor Plywood are back on. They are the builders of the podcast studio. I had Carly in here. He was checking out the table. He couldn't believe how well it's holded up. Well, I tell you what, that's that's the quality you get when you go through Windsor Plywood. For everything wood, these are the guys, whether we're talking about mantles, decks, windows, doors, sheds. I mean, they got it all. And when you want quality, stop in and see the group at Windsor Plywood. Or heck, you want to see some of the stuff they've done? Hop on your phone and, and search their Instagram or Facebook pages, and you can see it firsthand. All the visuals are there. Like it's impeccable work they do. Uh, give them a call today: seven eight zero eight seven five nine six six three. A shout out to Read and Write, Deanna Wandler, uh, for the uh, awesome billboard. You know, every time I drive by that stinking thing, I think, man, like that is pretty kick ass. And it's a local company that put it up. And they can put one up for you. They do exceptional work. So check out Read and Write today. A special thanks to the Lloydminster Archives who have been helping uh, to track down these different guests uh, from Lloydminster's history. And especially to Lynn Smith who works tirelessly behind the scenes to help help do all this, right? Without her, I don't get uh, half of them in the podcast studio. So if you're heading in to any of these businesses, make sure you let them know you heard about them on the podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit SeanNewmanPodcast.com, top right corner, hit the contact button, and send me your info. Now, let's get on to our T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. Originally from Belgoni, Saskatchewan, married 49 years, played for the U of S Huskies, longtime Border King, longtime Never Sweat, longtime Barons football coach. He taught at the Lloydminster Comprehensive High School for 29 years. He is one of the community pillars here in Lloydminster. I'm talking about Mr. Larry Sauer. So buckle up. Here we go. It is September 27th, 2020. I'm joined by Larry Sauer today. So first off, thanks for uh, stepping in the studio and coming to share a bit about uh, your life and some stories along the way. Uh, thanks for asking me, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. Well... I, I was I mentioned with a couple of my siblings I had you coming on. Well, you taught, I think you taught us all. I mean, I, I certainly remember uh, your math class, and and I mean, I we all have share great stories about you. But um, this is, you know, I'm curious. Uh, I was wondering where you grew up, and 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 kind of like going back to when you were a young kid. Uh, you grew up outside of Regina. And I thought maybe we'd start there and, and just kind of see where it takes us. Okay. Yeah, I was born in Regina, but we lived just about, I guess, 15 kilometers just east in a place called Belgoni, Saskatchewan. Which has a fantastic uh, senior hockey program right now. Yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 Very strong. And uh, then uh, from there at uh, nine years old, moved to, uh, into my 10th year moved to Climax, Saskatchewan, because my father was a 
beaver lumber manager. And uh, those were all over uh, Saskatchewan and, and Manitoba in particular. And but was only there for less than a year and then moved to Macklin, Saskatchewan, so right close to where we're living right now. And I was there till 15, and then uh, he got transferred to Melfort, Saskatchewan, where uh, you know I moved and uh, finished high school there and, and met my wife, Leanne, in high school. Well, you're a high school, high school sweetheart, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, in the last how, year, in grade 12, yeah. How many years have you been married then? Been married uh, just about 50 years, yeah. Just about 49. 50, 49. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's a, a heck you. of a feat. Thank you. Maybe I'm just going to hop to that right now then. In 49 years of marriage, what can you instill upon a guy who's coming <laughs> up on year, oh boy, I think we're six. I think we're going on year seven. Or what, what in 49 years has sticks out? Oh, I guess. Uh, you know your your family, uh, but of course, uh, give and take a lot. You know, for uh, when when you're together and with your kids, uh, but just you know, doing a lot of uh, family things, um, and I think uh, you know, being interested in in the communities that you're in, you know, gets you work together. You know, as a team in a lot of in a lot of things. Uh, certainly, uh, support for both sides. She certainly supported me and. And different in my coaching uh, career, you know, a lot of days and nights that are gone that are late. And and uh, I'd say in the latter part, um, you know, me supporting her, her being on the Health Foundation board now, and then also on the Prairie North Health Region, which are things that she was, is, you know, very interested in and in serving the community. So, uh, you know, working together, uh, give and take, uh, on the good times and the bad times, uh, it's been a great thing. I always go back to, I probably said this, it, it seems like a, I was just sitting with, um, well, Wayne and Barb Russell come to mind and uh, the pains come to mind and there's a whole whack of them, a whole whack of you, your generation that uh, have been married for a long time. And it's it's a very, I think it's very impressive because we live in a day and age now where I don't want to say divorce is everywhere, but it's it's not like it's uncommon. Yeah, true, yeah. And so to have 49 years, I assume it, w- it wasn't all rainbows and sh- sunshine, right? Like it, it takes working together and... It certainly does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I, I think um, uh, also, you know, a faith has a lot to do with it as well. You know, a moral compass, ethical compass is, is, is very important. When you say faith, what do you mean? Well, I'm, you know, my wife and I were we're Christians, so belief in God and, and belief in what the, you know, the Bible tells us, uh, you know, things that that we are to do. That doesn't mean certainly I'm not perfect by any means. That's for sure. Nobody, nobody but, is perfect. But we work at it, you know. Yeah. But but we work at it and believe in those principles. Hmm. I mean, no, <laughs> that's that's cool. I enjoy hearing. Um, well, I envy a healthy relationship. I hope that one day I'm sitting in that club of well, I've been married 49, 50 years, and right I think yeah. that's I think that's a very I don't know I don't I can't think of the word right now, but I admire that. And uh, you know, I come my parents have been married now. Well, I think it's 44 years, so they're 
a similar story, high school sweethearts and, you know, and carried on. And so to me, that's admirable, something that I want to grow to. So I enjoy hearing the lessons of, of 49 years and what you can instill on me. If there's anything I can <laughs> limit the curve of, of having to learn a few bad lessons, it's, it's always good to hear those. Yeah. Well, it's, as I said, it's just, you know, it's working together and, and through the ups and downs and compromising at times, you know, and standing firm on different things too. So yeah, it's, that's just part of life. Yeah. But you, you do work at it. Going back to when you were growing up, uh, you bounce around following your father's work, uh, different towns. You were mentioned in Macklin and as a kid, you, you know, you, you're a guy who coached hockey, played for the border Kings, played for the Huskies. Uh, so obviously hockey was a part of life back then. What do you remember about playing hockey back as a kid? Uh, well, I, I remember those days, uh, you know, back in Balgonia, it was just, you know, it was an outdoor rink. So I think I really started, only started skating when I was eight that I remember. And of course it wouldn't be for a very long period of time being an outdoor rink in Balgonia. Um, moved to Climax, and that's where I think I really got going. A fellow they brought in to coach the, playing coach of the senior team, and then he coached all the minor team, and he really, you know, encouraged me, and I took off and lived at the rink every day, you know, every night would go, would go skating. That was super. Carried on into Macklin and and into to Melfort, uh, and I remember winning the, you know, the Midget B uh, Championship, Saskatchewan Midget B Championship uh, was very memorable in my grade 11 year um, when we beat the Notre Dame Hounds uh, in the provincial final, you know, which was quite a feat. And, of course, we all know the, sto you know, the story about the Notre Dame Hounds as they've gone on. Uh, so, you know, the, the minor hockey was just uh, was a great time, and I just lived for that. Although all along, uh, you know, growing up in Balgoni was a strong rider fan and, and, and football fan and, you know, and carried that through to high school in, in, uh, in Melford, but I never moved there till the end of grade 10. So uh, grade 11 and 12, uh, uh, I got a chance to play. But uh, when I went to university uh, in Saskatoon, um, Tried out for the Huskies, you know, and, and made the Huskies. So walk couldn't on? be. Pardon me. Were you walk on, or how yeah. did they do it back then? Yeah, at, at that time, you just if anybody who wanted to go out and try, you know, could, you know. So I remember something like eighty, ninety guys, you know, going out. And they'd, you know, pare down fairly quickly, and then you got going. And uh, and uh, was fortunate to play three years for the Huskies, which was, you know. A great opportunity and a chance to see uh, different parts of Canada and also to the states because we'd always play a couple of exhibitions to two different places in the states each year too as for as exhibition games. Hop on a bus and go down? No, we uh, we we would fly to the states. Really? Yeah, in the old DC three planes. I remember that. I'd never been on a plane and. It was kind of scary watching the sparks out of the motor <laughs> behind the wing when you did that. Uh, but uh, other than to Winnipeg, when we played uh, University of Manitoba and the University of Winnipeg, uh, we would we would either bus there or sometimes took uh, two 15-passenger vans 
Uh, we did. We we flew pretty well to the other other places: Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. Uh, and so that was great. We played in one tournament in Kingston, Ontario. I remember between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but yeah, flew to to Denver and to Bemidji State University uh, for two in two years. Do you remember there being a difference in style of play going from Canadian schools to down to the United States? Uh, I wouldn't say uh, not so much uh, a style that they had. Uh, uh, it was more that, uh, you know, down there they, you know, had hockey scholarships. So you were playing against some some pretty good hockey players that that went to those places. So it was a, it was a real, real test for us. Did you play growing up? You talked about midget. Did you rate from midget? Do you go to U of S or did uh, you? no, at, then in grade 12, cause it midget then went up to grade 11. Yeah. Uh, and so then there was juvenile and then Malfrey had also had a junior B team. So I happened to play for, uh, the junior B team, but also played some games of juvenile. And and then um, I know a buddy of mine and I, we also played with the senior team uh, at times, you know, when when they were short, we all got call up. So played a lot of hockey that season. And, and that I think was that, all that really grew me in, you know, in different parts. Uh, you know, you're playing against men, basically, and I'm not a very big guy now, but it was, and it wasn't a lot less in weight, but I, you know, was smaller at that time. Uh, junior B style was well, cause you're at that time you, it, and still, you know, it could go to 21. So I was playing, I, you know, was young, I started 16 or sorry, 17. It didn't turn 18 till after, uh, I finished grade 12. Uh, and then, uh, and then of course, so that, that was, that was, that was really good. And then, uh, you know, the senior against some pretty tough guys. And, and those times in the senior leagues, you know, there's guys who came back from, from semi-pro leagues, you know, and we're, we're playing in there with Prince Albert, for example. Uh, and then, uh, Tisdale had a, had a really good, uh, uh, senior hockey team, the Burgess boys, which some people remember. Uh, and so, you know, you, you. You learned a lot, <laughs> kept your head up, of course, because it was a little different game then. And uh, so it was me. I had to rely on my speed a lot, I think. <laughs> now, is this all, I'm, I'm, I feel like I missed something here. Was this all in Melford then that you're playing yeah, this? Yeah, that was in Melford, yeah. That was in Melford. In grade, my grade 12 year, yeah. That you're playing anywhere from junior B to senior hockey. And right. your people can't see me doing this, but in my brain, junior B... Nowadays, uh, if you look at different provinces, some provinces don't see junior B. They see junior B above senior hockey, not the other way. Yeah. And yeah. the way you talk about it is getting the call up to senior hockey. Yeah. Oh, uh, definitely was that. You know, and that was for, you know, a long time. Uh, you know, even here, you know, in Lloyd Minster, and they had some very good junior B teams, but, you know, the Border Kings were still very well known when we, you know, when, when we began and it, and then it tapered off a bit. I know after I left, I played for ten years with the, with the Border Kings, and I mean that was great, great, great bunch of guys, and we had some pretty good hockey teams there. Tapered off a little bit, and then you know we got stronger again, where we had some 
junior B guys like the Gervais boys, the Batty boys, uh, Scotty Kennedy, and then a mixture of them that were younger and ourselves. Uh, I know someone like myself was playing then at 32, 33, and, you know, won the provincials in 83 again and had a couple good runs. And then it tapered off as well. And then, uh, uh, then in the late, 80s, 90s, you know, it kind of picked up again and then had the great fortune of actually coaching them from 99 to 2000, uh, 98, 99, 2000. And we had some very good hockey teams where we, kids that I taught in high school, you know, the the man boys uh, were playing, just a great bunch of guys who were very dedicated, you know, uh, to playing. And we had a very good hockey team going to the Allen Cup uh, two of the three years that you know that I was coaching. So that was that was that was really good. So did you win an Allen Cup then? We didn't win. We 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 uh, went to Stony Plain and we lost in the semifinal. The next year we hosted this the Allen Cup, and we uh, went to the final. And I thought we had a very good team. We lost to uh, Prince George in the final that year. I remember there was. Uh, Remember people saying, the fans. I think there was over three thousand people uh, in the in the, in the arena, yeah, yeah, in the Civic Center at that last game, and uh, we just we played very well. They scored in their opportunities, and and we didn't. Their goaltender, who ended up being the most valuable player in the tournament, uh, kind of beat us uh, that night. And that's hockey. Right? Yeah, like that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, that and that still goes on today, right? If a goaltender gets hot, Dallas is in the Stanley Cup Finals because Hudobin, G- a great example, is exactly. standing on his head. Yeah, yeah. You played an awful lot. Then you coach an awful lot. Now, I'm jumping all over the place on you here, but uh, did you like playing or did you like coaching? I liked both. Yeah, I like playing and still play to this day, you know. The Never Sweats. Yeah, played uh, played with the Never Sweats for, for a long time. What is it about the Never Sweats? Now I'm really jumping on you. <laughs> yeah, the Never Sweats are, are a fabric of Lloyd Minster in itself. They're yeah. this, um, you know, all you got to do is walk through the multiplex and you walk down the dressing rooms and you got, I don't know, uh, J.P. Kelly comes to mind and MacArthur and Holtby and uh, Hartnell and... Never sweats, right? Yeah, and if you there's you know everybody knows the never sweat bus and every there's just there's something about it. What is it about the never sweats? Well, just you know a group of guys um, who like playing hockey, like playing you know competitive hockey, but in, but in the right way, you know at the age that that we were and are at, <laughs> but still like playing very competitively. Uh, who get along very well, you know, go out, ha- have a good time, but on the ice, you know, still very serious. Uh, it's a group of men. I wasn't involved in the, you know, the, the original part of the of the Never Sweats, but as a, um, when the time came, you know, and I was coaching kids, you know, coaching kids in football, of course, and, and, and hockey, my own kids in hockey, and both of those, uh, then asked if I'd play and just, you became part of that camaraderie, but uh, put on a tournament. I think that's next to none. That you know, when you hear the visiting teams talk about how they're treated, 
but it but it originated from people like uh, Kenny Kyle, uh, Bob Dunham, uh, Tiger McKay, Tiger Cecil McKay, who started it, you know, in in the right way and uh, and and had people enjoy playing, but enjoyed playing together, but enjoyed their families together, you know, their spouses. They'd always get together, and and we still do. You know, to uh, to socialize as well. That's you know, that's that's a part of it too. And so that camaraderie is 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 really important. And that and that continues. You know, that continues to this day. Yeah, that's a very um, pe- human beings enjoy what you just talked about, right? Getting a group that everybody's bought into the same way, and you invite the the spouses in, and everybody's uh, part of a family and uh, do some good things along the way and, and do the work and have fun along the way. And, geez, I hear people talk about the Never Sweats, and I just, here I am again, and I, I see it. And it's, it's a very cool organization that isn't uh, government-ran or I don't know. Like, it's, it's just a hockey team. Yeah, yeah, hockey team. You know, people, they're enjoying it. You know, pay, the, pay their fees to go. You know, you, you yeah. kind of pay to play. And I guess if you don't mind me, just uh, curving off a little bit, sure. as you said, uh, and that that struck me about when I was coaching the Border Kings too. I mean, we always did. We you know we did we didn't play for any money, but uh, you know when I was coaching the Border Kings in uh, you know ninety eight to two thousand, uh, those guys at the time the Border Kings were, you know the the crowds weren't very good because of course the Blazers were around I guess the Bobcats now uh and so they were you know they they drew that and just because it was more stable the you know the leagues and all that but these guys are playing for fun but very competitive hockey man you know the hockey was was really good but those guys paid for their sticks you know everything but they enjoyed being together with each other Uh, and that you know that was that was really noticeable uh, to me, so it was just a, a pleasure of them, and of course, having taught a lot of them to see them doing that and, and uh, carrying on like that uh, uh, with that tradition. But you know, not not that hockey owes me or people owe me because I'm, they were there, they enjoyed each other and just enjoyed playing for the for the love of hockey. And um, I can't remember who said it to me, so I apologize for that, but. They, you play hockey and it gives you so much, and then when you retire from hockey, you're supposed to give back to the game that gave you so much, right? Something along that lines. I yeah. might have just to- yeah. uh, butchered that, but uh, uh, senior hockey is the reason why all of us love senior hockey so much. Is it is if you've never played it, you just don't understand the camaraderie. The you're showing up to guys who just work full days, probably got kids, probably got a wife, and still go to work. Then get there, you're tired, you're worn down, and then you go to battle and you have a little competition. And it's, man, they, some of the funnest times in my life have come from playing senior hockey. Oh, exactly. And and um, as you know, a younger guy, but, uh, you know, in, in small town Saskatchewan, it's still, you know, senior hockey is still a big, the big part of the town in, in the winter. And that's, that's what we're all about on the prairies, right? Yeah. Is that so... That's there's still it, but you're right. It's people who go out and enjoy the game, the camaraderie, uh, competitive, 
but you know, in in the right way, in the right way, uh, because they have families, they got to go to work. Uh, so it, it's, um, I think it really, I think it builds a lot of character. And as you get older, you know, you realize um, what it takes that you do that you are competitive, but but doing it in the right way because it's also, you know, it's not your livelihood, uh, but you're there to to enjoy it, and it just. It's something that sticks with you for all your life. And I think you use a lot of those. I believe I did. Uh, at least I hope I did. I hope that teams that I've coached, uh, hockey, football, uh, baseball, ringette, my daughter, you know, and ringette and ball, uh, to pass on and instill some of those uh, those good characteristics in, into the youth coming up. Well, is there... <laughs> You know, growing up, you play minor hockey, minor sports, whatever it is, baseball, ringette, hockey, it don't matter. But you're always kind of like, you're older, you're younger, you're older, you're younger, right, all the way up. Then you had senior hockey, you walk in the dressing room, and you got you got the guy who is still playing, and, and his body's all broken down, and he's 40, and then you got the green-eyed, has never stepped a foot in the, the senior dressing room. You guys got guys drinking, guys smoking. You're getting hit by a 40-year-old. You're, you're, you know, whatever it is. It's such a interesting snapshot of society to have that dressing room because, and then they all come in and have some fun. There's a lot of lessons to be learned sitting in a dressing room with that um, span of age groups. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they and they come with different ways of uh, how they see things, right? Because you're saying the youth are, you know, gung ho, giving her, you know, and. Uh, like there's no tomorrow, and 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 I think, uh, and I remember coming through that. You know, when I first started with the the Rosetown Red Wings, my my first teaching job was in Elrose, Saskatchewan, after graduating uh, from the from the U of S and playing with the Huskies for two years, and then had the great fortune, I guess, of uh, of meeting uh, Bill Armstrong and Al Popoff, who <laughs> approached me at the end of the second year. Uh, with the Rosetown Red Wings and asked if I'd be interested in teaching, coming and teaching in, in Lloydminster. You know, I'll never forget that. You know, woke up, <laughs> yeah, gee, I think it would, because at the time, if I may, I guess I've kind of swayed a little bit from your original question, but it brought me to that as to uh, how I got here and uh, uh, I was teaching the K-12 phys ed in Elrose, Saskatchewan. But I, I knew then after this, into that second year, uh, that I, I liked the high school age, and they talked about coming to Lloyd Comprehensive High School. And to make a short story longer, as I like to say, uh, it's uh, I had the opportunity, I got a call towards the end of May about coming to Lloyd Minster, and uh, and took that up and never regretted it. It's been a, it's been a great move. So. Yeah, you you come there. So I learned as a young guy going into that Rosetown dressing with 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 uh, men, people who had played semi pro hockey again, you know, had come back there. Uh, we're playing Byron McCrimmon. People will know that name around Lloydminster too. He coached here. Uh, Doug Piper as uh, another one. Uh, yeah, we had a, a number of people there that were very very good. We had a very good very good hockey team. Then coming here and then, you know, maybe trying to pass on some of those things to the younger guys who came up with the Border Kings in my in my 10 years, you know. And I saw that with the guys that I coached then. Uh, 
uh, with the Burger Kings as well. So those different age bands, you learn from them and um, how to deal with things, not only on the ice, but, but out in the street as well. I got to ask about Rosetown for a second because I think like Rosetown Red Wings have been around for a long time. Uh, stepping into their dressing room, was there certain things you just noticed about how the organization was run or the players or putting on the, the red and white when you look back? Yeah, uh, you know, the, there definitely was. Uh, as I said, I, I played with the Huskies for three years and then uh, came here. So, you know, they, they had seen me, I guess, uh, playing at the U of S. Uh, some of the people had. But their organization, yeah, was uh, was very good. Treated treated you very well. Uh, but we had some some veteran people at that time. You know, as I said, Byron McCrimmon was a playing coach. Uh, Doug Paper, uh, Gordon Smith, yeah, uh, a number of those guys. But the people on the management treated you very well. But those guys also talked to you about, you know, the way you conducted yourself. I remember some of the old guys about. Uh, on the ice, of course, was taken care of by the players and coaches, but you know, off the ice as well, because you're you're representing your community. Yeah, but that that was the same here too when I you know moved here with, with the Border Kings, and in those times, those days, both places, you didn't travel on a bus. We didn't travel on a bus to begin with. Uh, it was business people, business people who lent cars, or they usually had someone who would drive the car. So there might be probably four other players in with each car. That's how they did it in those days. It it really was a community thing. It, you know, it, it was it was great. So we're traveling from uh, Rosetown. We're going to I don't know play Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. You go Lloyd talk. You go talk to say five businesses, get five cars that they drive to load up your team and drive down there. Yeah, the management of the team would arrange that. So when you you got to the ring. So, for example, I was teaching in Elrose. I'd, I'd drive to uh, Rosetown, and then uh, I'd catch a ride with someone, uh, you know, business person was had a vehicle at the arena, hopped in through your bag in there, hopped in, and away you went, you know. Uh, yeah, we did that. And in those days, it was a really good league. Kindersley Clippers. Yeah. Uh, North Battleford. Uh, uh, Lloyd Minster. And and Rosetown, you know, when I when I was in Rosetown, and then some very competitive games, that's for sure. It's an interesting way to do it. That'd be a way to get uh, well. You sit and deal with or talk to the players the entire time. If you're not a, you know, if you're just a business owner, you get to know the players, and pretty soon you're part of the community that's surrounding the team because you know them all. Yeah, yeah, and and vice versa. I mean, we got to know the business people. Yeah, fair. You know, and you know, and as I said, then you—that's when you realize too. Okay, you know, you're uh, you're representing your community, so your actions, uh, you know, on the ice, and not, not just the playing, but how you handled yourself, or was noticed by the by the community. And so, you had that you had that sense of community, which which is very important and is very important. I think no matter where you live, no matter what you do you know, being involved, and that got you involved in the community, too. You went to school for education. When Growing up, is that what you always wanted to do? Were you like, you know what, I want to be a teacher? Um, I'd say I I pretty well knew that coming out of grade 12. 
you know, I didn't know too much before then, but I knew I liked, and then I, I knew I liked working with, uh, with youth, even at that time. Uh, I thought that's, that's what I'd really like to do. And, uh, and I thought it like teaching and, and in particular, you know, phys ed came to mind, but I, when I went there, I had a, a double major, you major in something, especially at the secondary level. So it was phys ed and math. And that's what I got into here. I had a chance to do, to teach the things that I, I really, really like to do. Here's a personal, <laughs> this is my best memory of you, which <laughs> you can either laugh at or whatever else. But I was saying to the siblings, and I'm sure anyone who went through a Larry Sauer math class remembers you fake smoking the chalk. <laughs> That's funny you say that because almost everyone I meet, you know, have met later later in life after they graduated. Talk, talk about that, you know. I've never realized that. I know I did it all the time, but I, but almost everybody mentions that. <laughs> well, we're, I was, I was, you know, uh, pretty nervous grade, whatever I was, 12, 11 kid so you'd do it and you'd chuckle but i didn't know why you were doing it or the backstory to it i you know i think with math math can be pretty dry and uh and so i just thought you know you got to make this fun uh, math and it's difficult for some students some just didn't get it so you, you had to make the i thought the atmosphere a little more jovial and okay let's let's get something a little more into it so i can't remember necessarily how it started but just you know someone to have a query and i'd kind of look and then okay just the talk and that's how it got and kept on going as people would always remark about that and as i said to this day <laughs> like yourself right now uh, talk about that so the larry <laughs> sour smoking the chalk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess anybody who uh, you know listens to this there's podcast. There's people listening going, to it going, they have no idea. But there is so many people probably laughing right now. It's such a vivid memory for me sitting in your class and you doing it. Because it happened all the time. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, I hope you learned a little bit of math, too. I certainly did, I think. <laughs> what, what, is it, what is it that you enjoyed about working with students? Because, I mean, uh, how many years did you teach? 31. 31. So you had 31 years. You got to see three decades yeah. of different students. And, I mean, in those 30 years, a lot has changed. What was it What was it that you enjoyed about going in the classroom every day? Oh, um, I said, uh, you know, I talked about uh, working with youth. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed teaching math. I enjoyed how could worked on different ways, especially as a younger teacher. I mean, you first two years you're just kind of surviving how, how to get there and how to get through those days but then then as you hone your skills a little bit more just like playing a sport um okay how can i help them to to get better and just gonna but i think the other part of it was the extracurricular parts uh working with youth in extracurricular and you know i coached football a long time and just Really enjoyed that. But working with them outside, the, getting to know them outside the classroom really helped for in the classroom part as well. I think, I think that was a big part. Being interested in what they did 
outside. And it didn't have to be. Of course, I was involved in, in sports a lot. But doing some extracurricular things, no matter what they did. I, and that was 4-H, for example. I just remember, you know, guys like yourselves came from the farm, a lot of people, you know, and asking them about, you know, how'd, how'd that go? They'd have the big sale here, I know, the big 4-H show each year, things they learned from that. But, but being interested being interested in kids and, and what, what else they were doing and showing a genuine interest, I think, was, was uh, really important. Uh, that, but saying, get involved, encouraging kids to get involved in, in different community things or, or school things, even being on the SRC, being involved in drama club. Uh, so, you, so you get to know people. So you get to work with people. To, you know, uh, the, that's what made it. And then that just made it so enjoyable going into the classroom. And I think really helped me when I got into admi administration when I became vice principal. It certainly helped me there in, in dealing with kids and, and parents. You know, when there are some tough situations, obviously, because we you know, were a big school. So those arose, but uh, not very often. And I think when people knew me and, and how, I, how I did things, you know, it made it work a little bit better. What was maybe the biggest change you saw in, in kids coming to school over that time from when you first started till your last day? I think, um, you know, the first, oh, you know, up to, up to 20 years, of course there's always been an evolution, but uh, there you're, you're teaching a subject, subject matter a lot of the times, especially for, the, say, the first 15 years. Uh, and so it was a lot of that. In the last 15 years, uh, there's been, I think maybe a lot of it due to the family dynamics, which we talked about earlier in this session, right? Uh, and so it became the groups weren't so more homogeneous. It was, it was uh, you saw kids coming from all kinds of walks of life. So you're, you had to deal with the person more, you know, uh, maybe a few more disciplined things. But you had to deal with the individual, I, I think, a lot and find out, you know what made them? Were they having a bad day? Have they had a you know tough time uh, at home or or out in the community that that you didn't know of? So that that is that has changed a lot. Uh, the mental health uh, part of it, I think, is a big part that that teachers I think has made it um, a lot more stressful. Uh, certainly in my last number of years, and 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 still talking to. Um, uh, teachers today, they talk about that as being one of the things that is the most difficult to deal with. Is the mental health? Yeah, I think that's become a, a very big part, and and it has, I'd say, even just in in any in any community, in any walk of life, even in in business. And what do you, and what do you draw that correlation to? What is that to the mental health? Why has that become such a big? Is it all the Social media technology. Oh, I think that's had a that's had a, a, a played a large part uh, in the last uh, several years. Yeah, you know everything's so open. You're uh, you have to be careful what you say. You know what you do. Uh, otherwise, it can be taken out of context easily. And of course, with social media, it's out there right now. So I think that's put a lot of stress on young people, 
and even and even older people, but uh, uh, young people growing up, cyberbullying, those those types of things, you know. So you can be you can be singled out. Uh, so it has put a lot of mental stress, I think, on on people, uh, and so and that's something that you know you're hearing way more often that people are having to deal with and you know getting professional help to help with it. Uh, it's been around, and you were just before then you kind of looked down. It wasn't looking at. It wasn't looked at as as a disease. You know, it's something that you need help with. Uh, but it is now, and 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 we need to we need to look at people in that context, and 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 work with them. With football, you coached football for a lot of years. Yeah, twenty eight years it was. Yeah. Did you grow up playing football? I know you said you're a Rough Rider fan, but yeah. were you actively playing? I cert- football? Yeah. Well, I did. You know, but we just did uh, pick up pick up football. I know when I when I moved to Macklin at you know ten years old, um, knew football and they didn't do. I hardly saw anybody I had a football, had a plastic helmet that I wore. Uh, and kind of introduced it there, uh, and then so got going there, and then um, and then in Melford though there was there was high school football, and yeah loved it, got into that, uh, loved playing the game, and you know again, even in in Melford then I'd I'd go to the go to the Ryder games, probably half the home games, because yeah, that was a two and three quarter hour drive for you know from Melford, but. Uh, uh, went to watch that, but really enjoyed playing the game, and uh, would have carried on. But I've, uh, you know, but I loved hockey as well. And at university level, you know, you have basically that's your season all the way through. And and was fortunate enough to make the Husky hockey team, so played hockey. But after I got out and and got teaching, you know, and, and coming to Lloyd, I first started. Um, uh, Bill Armstrong was there and was the coach at the time, and. And I got into football and just, just loved the, you know, the cerebral part of it, like the getting ready for a game because it's different than hockey. You have have one game a week and a short season. And so you got to be at your best every, every week. And so just learning the game and how can I help get our guys to be better? Uh, It's a tremendous team game. It's a tremendous team game where you are running back no matter how good. And some, once they get daylight, they can do a lot of things. But until that hole is opened by the offensive line, for example, you're not going to go anywhere. And so it's a, it's a great team game. Um, and it, and it, it got players playing that were all sorts of body types. Some guys who couldn't have played probably another sport because, you know, you had to be quicker, leaner, that sort of thing. But we have positions, there are positions in football that require different body types. And so it was great to see kids did a lot for their self-confidence. That, that's a big part of it too. Uh, and then would help them later on in life, at least I hope it did. I know I've seen it for those who stayed around in the Lloydminster area, you know, and are still here as adults. Uh, but I hope it helped others who, you know, moved away into their into their future endeavors. 
So I just, I just really loved preparing the team, you know, working with the other coaches to try and get better, you know, so that when you play the team, you're, you're at your best. And you obviously, you can see it when you talk about it, but 29 years, you said you coach football? 28, yeah. 28. Yeah. Seems like an awful long time. Like <laughs> you never had, you know, you're nine and you're like, you know what, maybe I'll just take a break. Never had that? Uh, well, I guess I did actually. Uh, the one year um, after the 82 season. Uh, I did take a break, although, you know, I followed them uh, a little bit, but I became coach and general manager of the of the first junior A hockey team here the at Lloydminster, the Lancers, yeah. You know, and that was, uh, I mean, and that, that was a great opportunity, and I'm very thankful. It wasn't, wasn't very successful, you know, as, as a team but uh, that year, but... Uh, the different circumstances, the way we had to set up the team, uh, but really, really enjoyed it. So that, so I guess there was a break, but I, I, I certainly missed <laughs> that. Most people's breaks are like, yeah, I'm gonna go like sit at the house and not worry. Yeah, your break is let's let's become the head coach and general manager of a junior A franchise. Well, you got to shed some light on the Lancers. I, I mean, once again, I, I've seen the jerseys. That's about as far as it goes because I wasn't even born yet. What was what was junior A hockey coming to Lloyd like? Well, it was you know something that people in the community you know wanted to see come. Great junior B teams here, that's for sure. You know, leading up to that, but just thought they'd want to go another level, and had that opportunity and uh, actually bought the Prince Albert franchise because Prince Albert then went into the Western Hockey League. And, uh, and that's how it developed. But, uh, you know, the board put together, uh, asked me if I'd be interested in coaching. Uh, uh, at the time, I was just finishing up uh, with the Border Kings. And, uh, and I went out, it was, you know, it was quite a decision, you know, going from, uh, from teaching I think finished my 10th year then uh, of teaching and, uh, you know, very stable uh, into that. But it was something that I, I felt I wanted, I wanted to try and, uh, and, and don't regret it. I mean, learned a lot of, a lot of life lessons. Uh, uh, we, were, we weren't so successful wins and losses, uh, but, uh, but, a great, but a great opportunity uh, the team, uh, some some kids. Uh, I remember well. Brent Dallin was our first captain. You know, he, he played in the Western Hockey League. Came back, played that last year, and was you know was a tremendous player and captain for us. Uh, and then stayed in the community and and led the Border Kings as a player after that. So there's a guy you know who gave back. Uh, a kid who came back. If I can go to that, I guess talking about them. Uh, Trent Cressy. Some people will remember that name. Uh, he came as a 16-year-old, made our team, and great potential saw. And you know, and he ended up uh, doing some very good things for us. But he went to the Swift Current Broncos then next year and led them. But he was he was a player that was killed in that that, in that bus, bus crash. crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great kid from Kindersley. That you know. I think probably would have gone on after playing with uh, Swift Current, you know, to some extent in the, whether it be at the 
semi-pro level or whatever, but uh, yeah, it was you know very tragic. But we had some couple of kids from uh, Bonneville uh, area, uh, Manville, you know, so, so we had a great group of kids. But I, as I say, I was uh, uh, very thankful for that opportunity. Uh, learned a lot of things about you know when you go out do something different uh, uh, so I, I really like the opportunity did you was it a is it like today where it's a full-time job or were you yeah still it was yeah so yeah. you had to take time uh yeah had to quit your job for yeah teaching. that's right yeah so yeah it was a, that was a big decision sure had a young family a uh, big decision that uh take that on you know where, where is that going to lead to but I did it was a big decision but I always felt that you know I'd kind of made my mark so to speak you know in teaching that I, that I could always go back to that if, if that's what it came to you know and it, and it did uh, which was fine but I, I think and and I'd say more people stayed in their 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 jobs you know and went through a long time and you don't see that now. People change, and just seems to be that that's, that's okay. what you do. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go on. Yeah, I'll I'll just do this. <laughs> so it, it was a bigger decision at that time, but but uh, an opportunity that I I thought I'd like to try. Why the name the Lancers? Do you know? Uh, well, as far as I know, they had a contest, and uh, <laughs> for a name, and. Came up and the, and the board. I wasn't involved in that at times because I, you know, I wasn't hired at that time. But uh, came in and it seemed like that was a name that uh, came up the most often and that the board liked and and that's what they went with. When you look back at that first season, is there anything that sticks out, like highlight from the the season, or a memorable story? Uh, I think. Um, uh, Probably it was just that, you know, the, the guys you had pretty young. Because at those times, we played in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. That's where it started. And there, they could have unlimited 20-year-olds. But when we started, we were only allowed, we couldn't have any 20-year-olds except for the ones if they were a local player or were on that list that we got that took over from Prince Albert. But we never got. The ones that were never came here uh, from Prince Albert. So we had a pretty young team uh, playing against all these other teams in there. I remember I remember uh, uh, Yorkton and Weyburn. They had like 14, 14 uh, 12 to 14, 20-year-olds. So, you know, it was really tough. So other than Brent, who played in them, and, and he was outstanding. Uh, for us, uh, it was tough. So I think it was just the way uh, the young guys grew, you know, and, and uh, learned the game and and really developed over. So that you know that 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 was satisfying to see it's because it was tough because we sh- we certainly took our lumps. I know Elmer Franks uh, was kind of uh, director of player personnel, and we talked about it afterwards. And we, over the season, including including training, inviting kids to training camp, we had a little over 200 guys. So that's, you know, that's, that's, that's tough to deal with. Uh, 
you know, kids coming and going. But that's what happened in junior hockey. And I guess speaking of that, I said, I remember telling the board, and, and I said, if I'm taking on and I'm taking these kids who are going to school, I'm, I'm sticking with them. Okay? So, of course, you had a roster that was larger than what you could play each time. But they, uh, uh, so they, you know, they, they would sit. But I sat up there in school, and I told the parents of those kids. I talked to each of them, and I said, if they're in school, they will stay here. I will not let them go during the season or at, or at the at the trade day, deadline without talking to you first if you are okay with that. And I don't think that that wasn't common in junior hockey, and and I don't think still is. I mean, you're just, if you're not good enough, you, you can go. So I did. So they had to go to school and then be checking on them. And, I, and that came from my, I mean, there I was, a former teacher, and I'm not going to change my philosophy uh, at the time. Uh, people say, you know, well, you should have because that's just how it went, but I, I didn't. And so I did, I stuck with them. And so, you know, we took our lumps that way, but I was true to my word. And I had a number of parents, you know, thank me for that afterwards, you know. So I was willing to go through that year and, you know, see what, what goes and, and, uh, and then try and keep the, keep the team advancing. How many years did you coach though? Just that one year. Just yeah. the one year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what changed at the end of the year? Was it board's decision or was it your decision? Uh, I think it was a mutual one. And and I remember saying, you know, um, to them, I could have signed a longer contract, but I said, no, let's just go with one year. Maybe you won't, you won't like me or how I do things, and maybe I won't like it. And then we can mutually, mutually change. And in fact, it wasn't for the full year. You know, it was at New Year's time that I decided it wasn't fun. There was some things that went on you learn you learn about other people as you go through and uh and it wasn't wasn't as fun and i and i think that they some people didn't maybe like the way that i handle thing i know some people say well you don't you know you're not yelling and screaming getting on them and i didn't believe in doing that showing that out on the bench in front of people i did it i did it my way in the dressing room but people don't always see that but but that's okay uh, and so it didn't work out, but still, it was a, it was a great experience. Well, we've talked about hockey for an awful long time. i got to go back to this football because I know there's going to be people going, can we talk a little <laughs> bit about, about the Barons? I mean, even when I was in school, I never played football. I don't, it's maybe – I don't have too many regrets, and it's not, not really a big regret by any stretch of imagination, but I – we didn't grow up Ontario when I was out there playing hockey. They had high school hockey, like a, a team sport in a school setting. So you get like the everybody comes to watch, like the rah rah of the school and your and ba, uh, football in in Lloyd, uh, the Barons specifically uh, in my time and well before that were very 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 good and. Everybody went and watched games, and it was, you know, it was a school sport. It was something, if I could go back, I'd probably try and talk myself into football. But, you know, knowing fate and the way the world works, probably would have broke something and never went anywhere, and that would have been that. But, you know, going back through your, your the 
the Barons and football there and everything else, um, you mentioned that all the kids get to play, right? I mean, there's a position for every body type and everything else. Over all those years, there has to be a few things that have stuck out to you. What are those? Uh, yeah, certainly are. I, I think I mentioned it before. It's the ultimate team game, that's yeah. for sure. More so than even hockey. I, I would say it is, yeah. Played a lot of hockey, coached a lot of hockey, but it it, it, it really is. Um, you know, and you could ask former players that you might know and, the, and their parents uh, what they thought about, you know, their kids uh, playing Barons football. But it really is uh, the ultimate team game. Uh, the camaraderie. Uh, there you had kids in grade 10 and grade 12, so you had different age age levels when it first started you could play four years and that changed in 1992 when so you could play as a grade nine you could no you could play as as a year past grade 12 so you could come back and play high school sports yeah yeah, you could and and a number of players did that you know just to play the football season Uh, did they have to be taking classes yes yeah, had to be taking a minimum of three classes. Take it, so they'd come back, take a few classes to yeah, play. Quite often for that first semester, you know. And sure, they were, you know, they were good players. Uh, I don't think it was the best scenario, and 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 so the Alberta Schools Athletic Association, you know, talked about that, and then so they limited it to three years, or uh, you couldn't be nineteen as of September fifteenth. So uh, uh, that, you know, and I think that that was a good thing. And that's what it is, you know, to this day. So basically uh, you have three years. But, yeah, uh, when it first started off, well, almost all the time I was coaching, we didn't have minor football here, which, by the way, has helped tremendously both teams, both the Barons and the Raiders. Well, uh, having kids playing it all the way up. You bet. Yeah. Uh, ju- just like minor hockey. Yeah. Just if you like had no hockey. feeder system. Yeah. Kids, it doesn't mean a, a kid won't be a great football player, yeah. but now you're trying to cram into right. two or three years what yeah. they've learned for the it, first 10 exactly. years of their life. So we needed them in grade 10. It just really encouraged kids in grade 10 to come out and learn. So they're learning the basic stance, you know. Uh, the basics. What it, what it looked, the very basics that now they can just go into schemes because they know that through minor football. But that hasn't, that there's still some athletes who are just very good athletes can come out, you know, and play and make the team and learn that position. But yeah, so we, we would spend a lot of time, uh, we would spend two and a half hours, wouldn't get home until, you know, 6.30 a lot of, a lot of nights would go from four to 6.30 in September because, and we'd had a lot of kids come out. Uh, as you said, we were we were fortunate enough to be very successful and and always tried to you know to to become better and better. I, I, I as a coach, you know, they said you know you you were successful. How did you do it? Well, you know, it wasn't so much what I put in. I think there were some things I did look around, but I I looked at other coaches and I saw what they did and said, hey, this can fit in our in our scheme of what we do. So I stole a lot of things. <laughs> about them that because it fit our particular team, the types of players we had. Uh, and uh, and with that, 
uh, we just became better and better. And then provincial started. So I started here in 1974 when I moved to Lloydminster. And in 1984, uh, then uh, we went to 12 men. So we played nine man football. And then in, in, uh, in 1984, it went to 12 men. And I, w I really pushed for that actually in 83, but that's when I went to coaching. But I, I pushed for it then to go into, in, uh, to go 12 men in our league, the Wheatland Football League. And finally teams decide, okay, let's give that a shot. And then we then uh, could, could start into provincial. Provincial started in 1985. So the first one, and uh, we actually made it to the provincial final in '86 against Cardston. The Cardston Cougars were—that was our benchmark because they won that perennially for the next number of years. So we're always striving to you know to be you know as, as good as them. Uh, but at that time, there were, there were only basically two tiers. And so Edmonton and Calgary were in there. But their teams, if they ended up in the bottom, um, I think their top four uh, went to their playoffs and played for a provincial. And then they started this next year. So the bottom, the next teams, who were you know, very good at that time, and, and they had minor teams in Edmonton and Calgary before that. So those kids were pretty good football players. But I remember playing the first number of years against Salisbury. Uh, comp, and in 1988, we had a very good football team, you know, a, a great football team uh, that we played, and we went to, we lost in the provincial semifinal to Salisbury uh, by missing a convert <laughs> on right towards the end of the game, uh, or probably would have won the first provincial championship at that time. Uh, uh, but our kids, I think the camaraderie is another thing. And we always looked at our, at our senior guys, our grade 12 guys in particular, especially those who had played you know, now in their third year uh, or fourth year as being good leaders. I know I talked a lot about uh, uh, conducting themselves on the field and off the field. We used to have, you talked about people coming to the games. Yeah, we drew some very good crowds. They really liked to come and watch that. Uh, the students, you know, it became quite a thing, uh, getting behind your school. Uh, so that, you know, that, that was really, really good. The kids really loved that, of course, having their parents and having the school support like that uh, worked, worked so well. Later on, I remember the school band then started coming out and playing. I remember some opposition, the team, what's this, bringing this out, you're beating us bad, and then you got the band playing. And, but, it, but it was kind of a school community, like you're saying, like you saw when you said when you went to Ontario about uh, high school hockey, which in eastern Canada, I, I didn't know necessarily about Ontario, but I do know the Atlantic provinces, that's still a big thing, you know, uh, that they go out to. Uh, so those are, those are great things. But building the confidence uh, of, of young people, um, I, I won't mention names, but I know we had we had one boy came in grade ten, and he was three hundred and ten pounds, and he couldn't run ten.
10, 10 strides. And uh, after the first day of practice, he's, he's going to quit. I said, no, no, you just come out and do it. Talked to our, our leaders, our captains, and said, you know, you're just going to help this, this kid along. Okay, you're going to make him feel a part of the team. By the end of the year, he could jog because we'd always do the whole field. And this was around the school field, not the football field. By the end of the year, he could do that. In grade 12, he was a force. He was a force. He was down to 200 and <coughs> 265 pounds, but, I mean, he was... He was a great force, but just I just saw the confidence in him uh, going that and just helped him uh, personally. And that that's one example of, of many that I that I can think of. And then that's you know, and you said what are what are some of the highlights? Well, to me that was a big highlight. You know, watching those those young people um, gain that confidence and just being part of that team. You know, and feeling really good about being part of being part of something, yeah, that was good. A second one I gotta say, probably just as high for me, you know, was being able to coach my two sons. I coached them in hockey as well, but and my daughter, in uh, in ringette and in ball, but being able to coach them, you know, and uh, and having them being part of that. And if I can say, now I'm coaching my grandson in football. So I'm coaching what you know as bantam football. It's called U15, uh, the, the Red Dogs here in town, and coached them in in um, in U13 here the last uh, two years. Uh, so that's that's great Be, being doing that, having the family being a part of that. You know, another highlight. And the third thing is that's come out of uh, out of football and just out of sports generally is seeing people in our community that I was, had the opportunity to coach and teach being community leaders. You know, that's, that's, that's very rewarding to see them take spots, whether it's, whether it's in athletics, whether it's being uh, seen uh, a few of them rep being on city council, for example, uh, all those kinds of things where they've taken leadership roles. So that's, th those are the, the big rewarding things. You know, you're in a very <clears throat> influential spot in a very influential time in kids' lives. That high school age, I even extended into, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, probably until your early 20s, there's this window there where people can really change the way you see the world and where you're going. And you mentioned the one kid and instilling confidence. You just wonder... If you invite him back, where does that go, right? And you see where it went, and it's that's a cool story. That's super cool to see. You bring him back in, just keep coming, just keep coming, and then he becomes the leader's feed off what you're saying and keep him involved, and he goes that way. That's a cool story. That's, yeah. that's a really cool story. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's great to see. And just you have a real real good feeling. So I, I mean, I've had a number of them call years later. You know, this is what I remember about football, and this is what it did, and and now I'm, you know, I'm coaching my son daughter in our community. Yeah, you know, it's it's great, great to 
to keep those, to hear about those people yeah. and, and for them to, to get back to you that they, you know, they learned some of the, some of those things. So, so those are the big things, you know, and I, and I never talked about the, uh, you know, the, the championships. Yeah. We won the, like, like the Wheatland football league. We're, we're very successful. I think there was 15 of those 28 years that we won that, but that was in here. We got to provincials five times. Only one at once, but we but we were there, you know, close. Uh, so, but that's that's being successful, I think. You know, you know, getting that far uh, each time and 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 striving for that. So, uh, you know, certainly certainly those are those are highlights. Had some great teams, some some great players uh, that played. You know that went on too we've had a number of number of players over the years that have uh, gone on and played uh, university football with the most notably with the u.s huskies and the, the golden bears but also uh the hilltops yeah the junior i mean there's a storied football junior program right my two sons played for the edmonton wildcats and we've had a number of uh number of players that have gone on uh, and played uh, junior football in in Edmonton with both the Huskies and the Wildcat programs, uh, but the Hilltops. Uh, uh, one that comes to mind is Sean Zajkowski, who is our who is our place kicker and uh, and uh, quarterback, grade twelve, and he went on and played one two national championships with the with the Hilltops. Uh, Do you say he was your quarterback and your place kicker? Yeah. And that that's hap- that happened a lot actually. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he actually uh, he actually got a trout with the Riders as a punter. He was our punter place kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't make it, but I mean, he had that. You know what a what a thing. Then he and then he, so he played junior football and then played with the Golden Bears. Yeah, was very successful with them. You know, speaking of uh, different athletes. I got to bring up Wade Redden, hometown, same hometown, both from Helmond. He's been on the the, the podcast before. Uh, I was told he played Barons football for a year. Any truth to that? He did. Well, it wasn't for a year, though. He came in his grade 10 year. His brother, Bart, was 11 then. Uh, they were both playing football. But he made the, uh, he made the junior A or I guess junior B team that first year, yeah. So he made that team, and so couldn't uh, couldn't play because scheduling conflicts. Uh, so he he ended up not not playing. But he got in. We have practice, and I and I I know he played an exhibition game for sure. And I'm not sure if he got into the into the first league game or, or not. But yeah, he was there. So I'm I'm racking your brain. But what was Wade Redden like as a football player? Any recollection? Well, it, you know, it was short, but of course he was an athlete, right? Yeah. Uh, Wade was a good all-around athlete, so uh, he could he he could play and 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 compete even at at, at grade ten because I mean he's he was a slighter guy at that at that time, right? Yeah. So he's playing against grade twelve, so it, you know it would have been tough. But uh, I think probably at that time as a as a defensive back, you know he probably could have could have fit in there right then so but we didn't have a great opportunity to to see him and see how he would um you know progress uh through the year but yeah he did play a little bit um 
you walked in, you had a Summer Games jacket on. And I always am intrigued at uh, people and why they volunteer their time and become involved in um, the community. What is volunteering in our community? I mean, just list it off, like whether it's football, uh, hockey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of different ways you've been coaching and everything else, influencing a lot of the youth of Lloydminster. Um, summer games is a, is obviously a big undertaking. What is volunteering in the community? What has drawn you to that? Why not just, you know, I'm coaching a team, I'm doing whatever, I'm okay. I'll, I'll, I'll sit back and, and watch. Why, why get involved uh, and continue to get involved? Well, I guess it's just something I've always done, but I've always believed, you know, you, you want to be, you want to be a part of the community that, that you live in. I think it just makes that community uh, better, but it also gets you to, to know uh, the community and then the community people. And, and I, I believe it's important to, to give back uh, to, to our youth as, as they grow up so that they learn those lessons to, to want to be involved in how that makes them uh, uh, become a better person. Um, so, you know, volunteering and, and something like the summer games, you know, a, multi, a multi-sport game uh, where you bring in everybody from the province. In this case, uh, Saskatchewan, because we're going to be hosting the Saskatchewan Summer Games. And now, it was supposed to be here in 2020, but of course, due to the COVID-19, uh, we couldn't. So it's now slated for uh, next July uh, in, in 2021. Um, I just, I just believe it's something you do to, to get you started in some type of act, uh, activity. And uh, when it's, when it's multi-sport games, it, it involves some individual sports and involves some uh, uh, team sports, but they, to do that, uh, there are things you learn. You learn by by uh, by volunteering that cooperation, compromise, responsibility, uh, all of those all of those things that I think you need to make a community go. That makes a community better. Uh, and bringing in something like the summer games is going to bring in something that, uh, well, as a guy sitting in the community, man, I'd be really intriguing to see all those kids uh, doing all these different sports, bringing the best athletes into Lloyd. Like, that's a huge event. Like, it is, yeah. It'd be super cool to watch some of them. Huge event, a huge undertaking, and, you know, we have a very good uh, very good committee uh, and uh, and people who are, who are on the who are on the board of directors uh, leading that that uh, have got things set up uh, pretty well. You probably, if people take a look around in our community right now, uh, you know, uh, a couple of new baseball diamonds have gone up. Uh, so, it's been a chance to work together because you you get some funding uh, from the province to help in making some of your facilities better in terms of infrastructure. Uh, that you may not have gotten, but it, it's also been working with the city, i.e. city council, you know, because 
they need to be on board with that. That that has to be. Uh, but it also helps in terms of, of of money. You know, for example, it's been a lot of it has been like a fifty cent dollar. You know, they put in some money, but we've got some grants from the community to to get the infrastructure that then will last for years going on to help keep uh, people involved. The other thing, and that's a big part of the of the summer games and the Saskatchewan Games Council, of which I was president for a few years, is uh, a big part of hosting something like this is to get people involved in volunteering so that they will continue to volunteer at various levels at, during various things, not just sporting things, but just uh, volunteering to help your community. Because your community, you just there's just not enough funds that go around. It couldn't... Things could not happen unless you had people volunteering. And so uh, th that's, a, that's a great thing. I kind of asked the question knowing a it's kind of like one of those questions where I kind of know the answer coming because I always, uh, if you get the right group volunteering, and maybe there are, no, it's the right group. If you get the right group volunteering, it is an extremely fun time. You uh -huh. and, and it's, it's For sure. I don't know if it's addicting, but it's it's enjoyable, and so you look forward to that experience. And if you can grow that group, so you have, you know, for everybody it's different. Maybe it's just another couple. Maybe it's just a, another person or two that you enjoy hanging out with, but can really do some good. That becomes enjoyable to go spend your free time away from. You know, you're going to give a little extra time to something away from the wife and kids, or maybe mm -hmm. the wife's coming along. If you can go there and it be enjoyable, that's healthy for you. And that's healthy for your community. And then you enjoy doing it, and it becomes less of like, man, I got to go, I don't know, flip pancakes to more like, yeah, I'm going to go down and do flips of pancakes. We've got some things going on. It's a lot of fun. And, and then that snowballs into where you're almost 70 years young, still rolling along doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's – you said it right correctly and hit the nail right on the head that getting involved wow you know this this was a good experience I'm, I'm going to volunteer for for something else and so and, and for people who are new to the community that's a great introduction to to, to meeting people that's right to the community meeting people oh this is what this is what Lloyd Minster Neary is all about you know yeah people get involved I've met some pretty neat people and create friendships that way and like you're saying, you hope that it snowballs that they will want to continue in, in getting involved in those. As I said, not only just necessarily sporting events, but, but maybe in something like Lions, Kiwanis, you know, which are also important organizations, you know, that volunteer to make things happen in the, in the, in the community. Rotary, those things for business people. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of them, and you know you're rattling them off. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. There's just so many of them that are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been something uh, in Lloyd's history, in particular. I'm sure lots of different towns have the same thing. There's a lot of that. A lot of different community uh, groups that have done a lot of good things for the city. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That the the volunteers. I I know the, you know, Legion Ballpark. Those those were first set up uh, uh, fences, lights, scoreboards, by volunteers, donations by by business people, 
companies, you know, to do work that set that up. You know, the, the city maintains it, and that's a lot of money in itself. I, I know that personally, being on council. Um, but those people who organize it, fundraise to get capital, and then putting in hours of time. You know, that's one example. And I just know the two new baseball fields by the hospital there now. A lot of a lot of donations, but a lot of time then that uh, that people involved in baseball um, donate their time to put the yeah we'll put this together if we can get the if we can get the equipment you know and and some other donations to get the electrical those types of things put in place so yeah for sure you, your community can't run uh, very smoothly and have things going unless you have a lot of volunteers. You know, one that comes to another one that comes to mind is I was talking with um, Wayne and Barb Russell, Russway, and they were talking about building the second nine on the golf course, and that they donated all the equipment and helped get that going. You just well, you fast forward how many years since that's happened, you never even think about it. You know, you moved to Lloyd in what year? Nineteen seventy-four. Yeah. Seventy-four. Mm-hmm. What was what was Lloyd like in 1974? Like, if you could just go back in time and remind or remember driving into town, you you just <laughs> got a house or renting an apartment, whatever you guys are doing. What are your your your, your first thoughts when you were pulling into Lloyd Minster? Um, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, maybe not pulling in, well, you know, a little bigger community. But when I when I go back, I believe it was around 8,500 people. You know, and we're sitting at 32,000 now, I think it is. Yeah. So, uh, but bigger than what, definitely what I was coming to. Um, I, I remember going to LCHS, had, a, had an interview. And I, and so one of the first things I remember, going in that school, my wife and I went in together uh, we met Hugh Morrell, who's becoming principal that year uh, of the school t- for for an interview, and I just remember the cleanliness. It was a beautiful school, but the cleanliness uh, of the school, and and uh, so was very impressed. That, you know, went back said, "Yeah, we're going to move. We, we want to move there." <laughs> uh, that, but I guess then when we got here, and then just. Uh, uh, the people that we saw, you know, getting into school, who helped us kind of get uh, established. So um, uh, Bill and Celia Armstrong will come to mind. I mean, I, I taught with them in phys ed, but then they became good friends right away. And okay, what do you need? What do you What are you looking at getting set up? We moved into the trailer court. Uh, so the helpfulness, and of course, so September. So by at those days, then it would be the first of October when hockey got going. Uh, late September, I guess, and then you know getting into that community. So then you got to know people right away and who who would help you. So it was it was those those things. The first impressions were, oh yeah, here people are here to to help you and get to know people in the community right away. Here's another one on Lloyd specific. I. <laughs> I think in the last, well, in the last probably, and you could correct me on this, because in the last 20 years, some of the big additions to Lloyd, and I'm speaking sports, I guess, and it doesn't need to be sports specific, but the multiplex was a big addition to the city. Uh, I'm removed from baseball, but I assume the vault 
at Holy Rosary is a big addition to the city. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From 74 till the multiplex, so before the multiplex, what was one of the big additions as the city was growing that you uh, got to witness or when it got built, you're like, man, that is that is awesome. Well, I think, uh, and you said not necessarily sports, but certainly the um, the theater at the college, the Vic Juba the Theater. Vic Juba. Yeah. You know, that that was a big thing to the uh, arts and, and culture uh, community, which is carried on to this day. They've done a tremendous job there, I think, um, uh, putting that together and, and how it's brought, you know, different uh, performances from, from different artists here that we don't have to go very far, don't have to pay a lot of money and can enjoy some some great uh, some great things performances that go on there and that uh, you know that our schools use christmas concerts uh, band concerts uh, those sorts of things at the school community so that intertwining of, of those entities have gone together so that you know that's one that i that i remember uh, the uh, aquatic center oh the pool yeah, yeah the pool came in in, in in my time. And actually, uh, you talked to mul- the multiplex, but I remember when it, not very long after it got here, uh, you know it as a, uh, and your family might know it as the communiplex, but the Lloyd Minster Golf and Curling Center. Really? That, that just got going, yeah, the late 70s, yeah. The fundraising around to, to different doors, yeah, you pitched in. And so that, that was built. That was built. I can't remember the exact year, but I'm pretty sure it was, you know, in the, the late seventies. And so that was a big and that that was a big addition at that time. So curling then. Man, an eight sheet curling center. Wow. Things really took off and and uh, you know, the community knows about how they uh, how those volunteers and board went together with the big classic that the curling classic that they had here every fall. Uh was super. So those are things that, you know, got, got built. Those, those are ones that come to mind. I know there's some others that I'm just, you know, not thinking of at this point, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I hadn't even thought of the curling center and the pool is an interesting one because that had to have been, I mean, think of, I don't know, I, my childhood might be different than other people's, but swimming lessons there and, and, uh, I don't know, the yeah. wave pool and the diving board, yeah. right? Yeah. All, like, all, you know, new things and we're just, yeah. You know, state of the art at that time. At that time, for yeah. sure, yeah. That yeah. uh, people went around different communities and saw what they liked, took from other places. You know, here we now have uh, swim clubs, so we now have an indoor, you know, winter club, yeah. as well as it used to be just a summer because we had the outdoor pool. You know, uh, great synchronized swimming. So, the different types of athletic things that can happen, not just kind of your traditional sports that have allowed other people to get involved in, which, which, you know, which is great. Yeah, which is tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you were on city council for seven years. What was... What was the draw to go to city council? Uh, I guess just um, wanting to be involved more in the community 
Okay. And and uh, you know, to be honest, I I had several people approach me. Okay. I I don't know if I thought about that much, but I, I was always interested, of course, in what's going on in the city, and and then being involved in various activities. Saying, okay, well, um, you know, uh, for example, hockey ran some hockey schools, so you have to rent ice. Okay, so you you go to the city. Oh, why why do you do this or why do you charge that? Being involved in uh, in minor ball and minor hockey and okay, so we have to pay for this minor hockey. Why is it set up this way? So what why don't you do it that way? Which people ask to these days, right? Yeah. Legitimate questions. And then so people said asked me and approached me, said, you know, would you consider going on? You know, you've had a wide I guess a fairly broad perspective of things, especially especially in in terms of facilities as it pertained to to sports but uh, uh, do that so yeah and and it was it was a great eye-opening another great opportunity to look at things okay now I can have some input into how things are gone and maybe I can have something that can contribute that they think oh yeah that's that's a pretty good idea so what was the what was eye-opening about going on the city council? When you start mentioning, why do they do it that way? What are they? Certainly, <laughs> you must have had like big uh, aspirations, or maybe like we get in there and we can change a couple things, and it's going to be great. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, uh, that, that's a that's a great question, Sean. Uh, uh, that it is, you know, when, when, unless you've been in there and see the, the inside of how a city operates. Um, most people have no idea as to how you do it. So you're right. That first year is a very steep uh, learning curve. So uh, you you get in into involved in the debate as to some things that you believe in and how you think it should go. You know, with with your colleagues, but you you learn a lot as to how it's run. Oh, this is why this works this way. You know, the water treatment plant, the wastewater. One, and how they're so important, how infrastructure that we don't see, you know, uh, uh, how that works and why that's so important. But the dealing with two governments here in Lloydminster, so unique, right? We have to deal with uh, uh, the province of Alberta and the province of Saskatchewan, and we have our own charter. So, you know, there's jurisdictions from each province in that, and you can't do certain things because one has jurisdiction over the other. Um, uh, different developments, why they're developed that way, why certain things can go in a development, and why they, why they can't or why you don't want them, you know, in, in that, that. So, uh, yeah, the workings of what happens in City Hall, when people run, oh yeah, just as you said, I'm going to do this, this, and that. But once you get in and actually take a look and listen, uh, it just it doesn't work as quickly as that or the way you think it should work that way because province has jurisdiction over municipalities. You can't, you can't do something that the province allows, for example, or goes that, and federal over provincial. So... You have to run under those. It's a rules. lot of red tape, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately. Did you Did you enjoy it? Certainly did. Yeah. Overall, it, it, it was it was great. 
It was great. It was, it was nice that you could be involved in some decision making about things. Um, so over over your I guess I I pushed for uh, uh, a lot of times, as you might think, some recreational things. So I know we we certainly did some big renovations at the uh, at the civic center. Uh, you know, not, and since then it's it's kind of running out of its. Uh, I've wanted to legs. ask you about the civic center since we started. What, what's your thoughts on on the civic? Well, I mean, we did a did a lot of things at the time. We knew that um, uh, you know that it is run, but but had engineers take a look at it and said, you know, it's still fairly sound. Uh, so we made a lot of uh, things. Now the chair seats, right? The bucket seats that has all helped for for spectators going in there. There have been the box seats. Yeah. All of those things. It's a beautiful been, rink. Have, you know, have been great. Fixed up the, uh, <coughs> you know, the the vestibule area there. Yeah. Uh, another one that, uh, I, I, you know, I, I felt really good about, Russ Robertson. You know, expanding the dressing rooms. We could only go, we, we couldn't go past, uh, as you know, Pee Wee, so U, U13, because it didn't meet safety requirements. So expanded those dressing rooms. And, and again, you know, the entrance area, that people now, there's more room to do that, has we can now host any age level in there. You know, it's for that. So it's allowed to make better use of ice time. Uh, we don't need another, didn't need at that time, another facility because those facilities can now handle that because we weren't utilizing all the ice time that it could have uh, just because of that. Uh, and even the Archie Miller, the Archie Miller Arena. It's a been gorgeous little rink. Yeah. It's been very good. Worst rink ever growing up. So cold in that <laughs> yeah, place. Yeah, And now, the chicken wire on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it's very good. A lot of that, too, was, you know, was volunteer, but I know we did some renovations when I was on, on council that have really helped it. Uh, you know, the heated floors, the uh, adult recreation, a lot of those teams want that as their home arena. I've, I've argued, I'd argue uh, that you could stick a senior team in there and call them the Archie something or others and yeah. it'd be a great little home rink because, I mean, you put, what, 100 <laughs> people in that place and it'd be packed. You wouldn't need to have 3,000 to make it seem like it was full and you could have a – and it's just – it's a it's a beautiful since I was a kid. Yeah. That place was by far the worst rink because oh, it was sure. so cold. The chicken wire, the the one shower in the place where you had to run down yeah. the hallway, and now what they well, what has been done to it is yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so yeah, it's just made us uh, prolong the use, very good use, you know, efficient use. Yeah, uh, of of those of uh, those facilities. What's one thing Lloyd needs? Do you think? Um. If you could make, uh, I can't think of the word. I want to say swing a magic wand, but that's wave. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right, wave a magic wand. Geez, don't know why I couldn't spit that out. And just boom, you got it. What What, what do you think Lloyd is in need of? Well, I guess in terms of, uh, of uh, recreational, I'd say that um, some uh, new soccer, soccer diamonds, you know, soccer is still quite big amongst the youth. Well, and adults. I mean, we have a, um, a lot of adults that are using it. And so uh, uh, making a, a facility that would be 
you could have more tournaments coming in, for example, out-of-town uh, teams coming here and yeah. host, hosting something like provincials. I think that would be, uh, uh, from what I see, it would be that. Uh, possibly some other slow-pitch diamonds and maybe an area where you had for slow-pitch diamonds because you need, you need uh, longer fence lines, right, just by the nature of the game. Uh, to me, those are two that come to mind that uh, would would uh, would need that. You know, arena. We've I know people have talked about. You know, could we uh, a better arena in terms of seating more, so that possibly you could go from junior A to a possible WHL team. Uh, I don't know. We we can make pretty use of what we have at this point. But that might be something, you know, in the future to, uh, to contemplate. But I do know that the Civic Center is, is running its, its life's course, and that's something that city council will have to look at. Okay, where do, where do we go from, uh, uh, from here? Well, by all accounts, the Civic Center is on its last days, yeah. yes? Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm hearing. And then we, we kind of saw that at the time, but we figured we could still get uh, well, you know, have- another 10 years out of it, and certainly— yeah. Certainly can, you know. So that uh, that was the other thing, I guess. You know, you talked about what are things you learn. Well, maintenance of buildings. I talked about the school division, and, and to this day, uh, I still walk into them. And they're very well maintained, no matter how old the, the, the schools are. And you need to do that, I believe, as a city to maintain so that you get some some longevity. And so I guess there's the other one now that I think of it because I know when we went through the uh, the aquatic center, ooh, and I've been right underneath it, seeing that, how it works. And we're going to be in need of an aquatic center. There's been some good things, some good renovations, but I also know there's we have some very skilled, good people who've looked after that, that that get that, that running on a continuous basis, uh, that if we didn't have that, that might that might be long gone. So I think that's something that's going to be in the not too distant future either hmm. for for recreational uh, facilities. Uh, but but Miller Park is a gem in our city for people, and there's been a few things done now to you know rehabilitate uh, that in certain areas. When you go back through your life, and you've got plenty more days ahead of you. But when you go back through your life and look back through it, what's one of the maybe the best lessons you've learned? Hmm. Uh, I guess it would be coming to getting involved in your community. If you want to contribute, getting involved um, just makes you feel a part of your community makes you feel, you know, it's it's my community. And so I want to do the best job. I want to see good things happen to in the community that will um, help people, help people to to be in to be involved in things and still stay a community. You know, we've gotten larger. So it's uh, it's been a little more of a struggle. And of course, lots of different people coming and going. Right. So it's changed. It used to be, again, you know, you kind of knew everybody. It's not that's not the case anymore. But uh, I think it was just seeing that all the different people that 
I've had a chance to interact with that that made this community what it is and continues to be to a large extent would be would be uh, something that really sticks out to me. Yeah, well, with more people coming, you can look at it as good or bad. And I always err on the side of positivity and that you're going to find more Larry. Well, I mean, if Larry Sauer doesn't come through the door, right? Look at all the good you've brought to Lloyd. You weren't originally from Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And if there's more of that that comes to Lloyd, get to have better things and more great volunteers and push for better things to come to Lloyd. And then just kind of, if you get it going the right way, it snowball effects on itself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. One final one for you before I let you go. If you, what is maybe the biggest event you think that's happened in your time? I mean, we're in a big one right now with COVID. I mean, I don't think anybody can overstate what we're going through right now. But if you go previous to COVID, what was, whether we're talking world event, whether we're talking Lloyd Minster, whether we're talking Canada, politics, uh, you know, JFK, man on the moon, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what's one that you just... You go back and you go, oh, I remember being here and this happening and this changed the fabric of society or maybe the way I looked at things. Is there, is there an event or two that sticks out through your lifetime? Um, well, that's a bit of a tough one because, you know, if I'm thinking, uh, you know, nationally or internationally, I guess I'd be more... Uh, you know, in, in the community, and and I'd have to say it'd be in the community in the Lloyd Minster area, and it'd be, it would just be the development, evolution of of uh, Lloyd Minster, uh, most mostly in a for a positive, um, you know, become very affluent. To now, since about two thousand and fourteen, when you know the economy has been not so bad, not so good. And COVID, of course, even worse. Uh, but our energy sector, of which is a big part of ours, um, certainly we've become more divi- diverse uh, in, in this area. Uh, but still, the energy uh, sector and kind of being forgotten nationally, I think, which is really hurt, which has really hurt us. Uh, that w- that would stand out, you know. Um, good thing our, our agriculture sector is still there, uh, which of course is so needy in the whole world. Uh, we we need that, but I think that that's that's been a that's been a big thing. Uh, um, that probably would stand out as sort of more of a, a, a national thing that affected has affected our community, and I hope. Uh, I hope that we'll be able to to get back to somewhat of an assemblance of of what what that has been. Hmm. Well, we've been going for an hour and forty minutes, hmm. and uh, I could. Everybody knows me by now. I can sit. And, I don't know. I can talk for hours on top of hours, but. I think at an hour and 40 minutes, it's it's been really enjoyable. I really appreciate you coming in and, and uh, imparting some of your wisdom and stories and 
uh, a bit of your journey and just coming in and sitting down and sharing uh, for the last couple hours. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. Well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for asking me to, to come and do this. Hey, folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.